much time. So tonight's, like I said, it's going to be a little different. Obviously, the kids are in here, so hopefully you got some coloring sheets uh, to keep you distracted while this boring guy up here drones on and on and on. So if you're adults, if you want some coloring sheets, they're out there on the table. You can grab some of those as well. Um, and so what we're doing tonight, we've called this a a year-end reflection service. And, and what we're really trying to do is just say, um, I mean, in one sense, the calendar is completely insignificant, right? It's just a collection of numbers and we flip the page every 30 days or so. Uh, but in another way, it does provide us a great time to really pause and reflect on what has happened in our lives the past 365 days. And so while the rest of the world is out there uh, celebrating and hopefully maybe you guys got some parties to go to after this as well, my personal goal is to be in bed by nine o'clock. And if that happens, it's a good way to start the new year, right? I want to get up early and do something productive instead of uh, staying up till one and then sleeping until 10 and starting the year off feeling all groggy and stuff. So if you love Jesus, you will go to bed early tonight. How about that? How's that for a command? I have a feeling I'll be up till midnight anyway. I don't think I'm going to win that bet in our house. So, um, but I forgot where I was going with this. Oh yeah. So um, the end of the year reflection, that, that's what we, we all like to do. That's why the culture pushes these new year's resolutions. We want to start off the year right. Um, but the, the interesting thing about, we're going to contrast two ideas. Uh, reflecting on the end of the year as compared to starting the year off with a New Year's resolution. Um, we are the busiest culture out there. Like our, our society right now, we are just go, go, go all the time. We're always moving. We're always busy. We're always doing something. And because we're always doing something, which is basically a New Year's resolution strung out, we're always trying to do more and more and more stuff. Because we're so busy, we never take the time to pause and actually reflect on what has happened in our life the past year. You know, what has God done in our lives? What, is, what has God done in the lives of our church collectively? I mean, because if you think back, some of us here have had a really good year. Okay, we, we've had people that have um, uh, gotten married this year, and that's always exciting. We've had people who have had babies. Uh, actually, in the last four days, our church has had four babies, the last of which is uh, Trey and Julie uh, welcomed Matthew into the world about three hours ago. So that's exciting. They're, for some reason, they're not here tonight. I don't know why they didn't make it. They should have at least sent a representative or something. But um, so there's a lot of exciting things have happened in our church this last year. Um, and in another way, some of us have had some really difficult years. Uh, we've had not just new births, but we've had miscarriages. And we've not just had marriages, we've had marital struggles. And we've lost family members. And we've had um, tension with our kids pushing us to the edge. Uh, and to be fair, kids, I'm sure your parents have pushed you to the edge some as well throughout the year, right? Um, but and there's, that's just, that's life, right? That's life in a fallen world is there's going to be some of us who've had a great year and some of us who have had a really tough year. But the one thing that I want to take the time tonight to do is make sure that we don't waste whatever it is that God taught us this last year. Because the one thing that guarantees that you're going to waste it is if you don't stop and actually reflect and learn from what God did in your life this past year. And so if you had a bad year filled with pain and suffering, it's reflecting on that year in light of scripture that can transform that pain into spiritual growth. Okay, and at the same time, if you had a good year, if you had, say, the most successful year you've, you've ever had, it was a banner year for you and your family, uh, nothing can transform that success into spiritual growth more than reflecting on it in light of Scripture. Because if we don't reflect on our pain in light of the Bible, we just get heartache and we just dwell there in the heartache. If we don't reflect on our success in light of the Bible, we just get hedonism. We get living for our own glory, living for our own comfort and those things. And, and neither one of those is where we want to be. As, as a church, we talk a lot about our hearts and minds growing in grace and truth, and, and that's what we want for us this year. We want to be able to say, 
God did a lot of stuff in my life, and I have, have pondered that. I have looked on that in light of Scripture, and what the Bible tells me is then going to redeem and transform this past year and make it into the thing that catapults me into a greater connection with Jesus, a greater realization of how he's working in my life, a greater uh, growth in my faith. So that's where we're going tonight. So before I do that, I'm just going to say a word of prayer, and then we'll get into the word tonight. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your presence here with us tonight. I thank you that, um, that, that even though we have had all different kinds of years this year, uh, that there's some of us here who are uh, just, just filled with heartache from all the, the rough things that we went through this year. And there's others of us who are filled with joy because of all the, the neat and exciting things that happened to us, God. But whatever has happened to us this past year, I pray that in this next hour or so that we could uh, look at those events in light of your character and your love and that those events might be transformative for our souls, that we might uh, take account of what you have done in our lives and, and learn from that and grow from that so that we can continue to share the good news of your love with those we meet. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. So um, in, in some ways, we could pick any passage of the Bible to, to do this sermon on tonight because the, the scripture is, is a, this message of, of good news, of God's love for humanity. It's the bad news that we're sinners, which is why our years are, can be so filled with pain. And it's the good news that God loves us anyway, which is why our years can be filled with good things. Uh, so, But what we are going to do tonight is spend uh, some time in three different passages, which on the backside of your bulletin, it lists those for you. The first one is Psalm 56. Uh, and if you don't have a Bible, there's a table Bible in front of you, and it's page 476 on the table Bibles. And if I can find it, we will get going. So uh, Psalm 56 is written by David, uh, and the top little, uh, before that we get into the verses, it tells you that this was written during a time when Saul was uh, in Gath. He was being held by the Philistines, um, and we'll talk a little more about that context in a little bit. But uh, th- this psalm is, is an amazing proclamation of David's hope, of David's strength because of his trust in God, uh, despite the bad things that are going on in his life. So I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. We're not going to spend a lot of time in these three passages because we want to keep things short for the kids and for, uh, well, for the adults also, right, who want to get on to their New Year's celebration. So uh, I'm going to read verses 1 through 7 first, and we will talk about that a little bit. It says, be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long they injure my cause. All their hearts are against me for evil. They stir up strife, they lurk, they watch my steps as they have waited for my life. For their crime will they escape in wrath, cast down the peoples, O God. So David's talking about a very particular kind of pain that he's experiencing here. He, he's being literally persecuted by other human beings. People are, are coming after him. They're wanting to take his life. And uh, hopefully that wasn't your year this year. Hopefully no one was chasing you and you weren't actually running for your life. But uh, the reason that th- Psalms like this connect with us, even if you haven't been shot at this past year, is because we have all experienced hardship in some way or another. And so hardship can come either from other people who are, or are bringing stuff against us like they are with David. It can also come from the fact that we, just, we live in a fallen world 
We live in a world that's been tainted by sin, and because of that, people get old and die. We have, pe- we have people who have cancer because of living in a fallen world. We have the, the, the cosmos is, is fighting against us because sin has, has ruined every fiber of creation. Uh, at the same time, we, the Bible teaches us that we have a spiritual enemy. We have, Satan and his demons will, will bring attacks against people. They will, they will take the sin that's present and they will magnify that and, and cause heartache and pain because that's what the enemy does to the people of God. So there's all these different sources for pain out there. But the point is, no matter what, we are all going to experience that kind of pain. But for David, David was able to go through people wanting to take his life, and yet he remains strong in his faith. And why is that? We look at verse 3 and 4 again. It says, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? So in the middle of all these people coming after him, David says that he's putting his trust in God. He's putting his faith in God. He's putting his hope in God. And because of that, he knows that it's going to be okay. And, and that, and that in, in some ways, is the, is the summary of what we're saying we need to do tonight. When, when you have a, a terrible year that you look back on and you say, I can't wait for that calendar to turn, you can put your faith in God and know that God is there in the midst of that pain. And if you had a great year and you say, I hope that for more of that ahead, you can turn the page in the calendar and you can say, God is sovereign and God is in control and I can put my faith in him. What can flesh do to me? Who else can bring something against me if God is for me? That, that's the message of that. And um, yeah, but, but despite that, like that, that's, the, that's the nice cl- cliche Christian answer, right? Is if you're having any trouble, you just got to put your faith in God. Just, just hope for the best, right? Just believe in Jesus and everything will be okay. And a lot of times we can turn that from this beautiful truth that scripture is teaching us and we can water it down into a cliche that belongs on a, a greeting card or a sympathy card and we don't ever actually engage what's going on. Because when you're talking about heartache in particular, it, it hits a, a deeper chord in your soul than anything else that's out there. I mean, Kelly and I, we, we had, I think, the roughest year of our uh, married life this year. Just a lot of different stuff really uh, made it challenging for us. And it's in those moments of pain that you, you cry out to God in a very unique way. It's, it's when everything comes crashing against you that you say, this, this is very real to me right now in a way that it, my faith isn't normally because pain brings you to that edge. It brings you to the point of saying, I really need God to be there right now because there's no other way I can make it. And, and so, so that, that's what we're all driving for. And, and then what the people I've talked to that are experiencing trouble, and, and I sense this in my own heart also, is when you're at the edge of that cliff wondering uh, what's going to happen, the question we always ask is, where is God? Where is God in the middle of this? How could he let this year happen to me? How could he let my marriage fall apart? How could he uh, let us have this miscarriage? How could he uh, let my, my children be taking this path that's not good for them? How could I lose my job? All these things. We always want to ask, where is God in the midst of that? And, and that's why I find this psalm in particular so powerful. is because after David has just told us what he's experiencing... The, the pain that he's experiencing, the people that are coming after him, he says this incredibly encouraging verse, verse eight. Talking to God, he says, you have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? You've kept count of my tossings. You've put my tears in your bottle and they are, are they not in your book? So we, we always wanna ask, where is God when it hurts? And this psalm gives us this, beautiful picture that says every time you're there crying wondering if God is really there that he has a jar that is catching your tears 
Every time you have a, have a bad year that you wonder, like, did, did anyone really understand what I'm going through this year? God is there keeping a record of that, knowing what's going on. This, this is, I mean, the, the Footprints in the Sand poem that was so famous that everyone had on their wall and posters and stuff, this is the truth of that in the Word of God. It says, when we're going through hard times, we want to know, is God really there? And this answer is resounding, and it's yes. He is there, catching our tears in a bottle, keeping record of the things that come against us, and he is with us every step of the way. And so that's the thing that when we look back on our year, we want to say, how did God work in my life this year? So there were some really rough things that happened. There were some really great things that happened. But how was God in the midst of that, keeping that all in his book? How was he there catching my tears in a bottle? What was, what was God doing? That's what it means to reflect on our year, is look through our year through this lens of Scripture saying that God is present with us when we are going through those things. And that should give us great hope for the future. Okay, so, so a, a biblical hope is not a, gee, I wish this works out. Okay, we, we had a, um, one of my friends says that hope is a confident expectation for the future that gives you energy today. Hope is a confident expectation for the future that gives you energy today. And so as followers of Christ, we can have our hope in knowing that the future is going to have God's presence in it just like my present does. God will be here now, he was with me in the past, and he will be there in the future, and that's why I can have hope. So let's, let's wrap up this psalm with seeing how David's hope plays out. Verse nine, it says, then my enemies will turn back. Okay, that's future tense. My enemies will turn back in the day that I call. This I know, that God is for me, and God whose word I praise, and the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. So we saw that future tense, God will deliver. And then in verse 13 here it says, for you have delivered. That's present tense. And it's this idea of the span of time that David is getting at that should be our source of encouragement. He says that he knows God will provide in the future. Because God is doing that right now. Because God has saved him today. He has that confident hope for the future that God will save him in the future yet again. Okay, and so in this, I think, is why it's so important that we spend some time reflecting on our year. Because uh, we, whenever we're going through something hard, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the hard stuff this, tonight than the, than the successes. But um, whenever you're going through something hard, we always want to say, you know, where is God? How does this fit into his plan? How, how is this going to be worked for my good, like the Bible says? You know, what is going on? And, and the reason that those moments are so difficult and challenging for our faith is because we look at those moments. We look at that snapshot, that little tiny sliver of time, and we say, this is all I can see right now. Because my pain is so intense, I have, I have focused in on this moment, and I wonder, where is God in this moment? But what we need to see is that God is in this moment. He's catching our tears in that bottle, but he's not only in that moment. God is in all the moments. And it's those collection of moments that we build upon each other that is where God works his love into our hearts in a very real and powerful way. Okay, so we always think of our lives as these snapshots. We look at times, like little points of time and assume that that's how everything works. And especially true when we read the Bible. Right? So, so I'm studying Judges. We're going to start sometime in the spring. We're going to go through the book of Judges. 
And you read all these stories and about this guy who saves Israel and then the next guy who saves Israel and then the next guy who saves Israel. And uh, there's always these interesting little phrases there. It's a w- one line that says, Israel turned from God and they were overtaken by the Midianites or the Amorites or all these different people for, and it gives you a length of time, for six years, for eight years, for 20 years. And it's just one sentence. And we read through that and we, we see the book of Judges as this, Judges as this collection of stories But there's all these things that tell us how much time is actually passing. So we go from chapter 4 to chapter 5, but at the end of chapter 4, it says, and 20 years went by of them being oppressed by a foreign power. Okay, and and that's what I'm trying to get us to see tonight, is that we can't look at just the one point in time. We have to see how God's story plays out over longer periods of time. So so we read that that God promised uh, Abraham and Sarah a son, Isaac. And then a few chapters later, we read that Isaac is born. But we forget that it was 25 years of waiting before Isaac was born. You know, we read the Old Testament that prophesies Jesus coming. Then we flip the page to Matthew and we read about Jesus' birth. We forget that it was over 400 years that took place in between those writings. You know, so as we look at our lives in the same way as these little snapshots, when what God is telling us through this psalm is we need to look at the big picture instead. So we have a couple slides here. One... Um, of a, that. Isn't that awesome looking? (laughs) It's a a little snapshot. And if you can see, there's little tiny tiles there with some little grout in between each. And when you're in the middle of pain, that's all you can see is one of those tiles. You say, that's my 2016 right there. And it is dark and ugly and it was terrible. And we don't ever see how that little tile fits in the overarching mosaic of what God's really doing. So, So this is actually a little section of a picture from the Hagia Sophia in Turkey, I think, and that's the full painting. It's a, it's a collection of tiles, this mosaic, that together makes this beautiful picture of Jesus. But if you just zoom in on the one tile, there's nothing helpful about that. There's nothing beautiful about that. And so what, what we do when we reflect on our year is we say, this was just one tile in the overarching story that God is working into my life. And so how does this year, with all its ups and downs, how does that actually tell a bigger story about what God is doing in my life? Or what, what is the overarching story that, that God is telling us? And, that, and, and here's why this is important. Because anyone can tell you, you'll have a better year next year, right? Or, or if you're in the middle of something hard, do you, do you know what most people say to try to comfort you? Is they say something like, oh, it'll all work out in the end. It'll all work out in the end. And I, I love that sounds so hopeful but it's the most pointless, stupid statement you could ever say. It'll all work out in the end. Really? Why? How do I know it's all going to work out in the end? Why does this pain that I'm feeling right now, why do I have any hope that that will work out in the end? And the reason we have hope is because of who our faith is in. Your hope is only as good as what you are hoping in. Your faith is only as strong as what you are putting your faith and your trust in. And so we see in Hebrews chapter 11, it says that now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So we have this hope out there that, that it will all work out in the end. But the reason it will work out is not because I have this, I'm going to take the glass half full approach to life. The reason we know it's all going to work out in the end is because God is the sovereign author of history who is taking my year and your year and our church's year and collectively weaving that into this beautiful mosaic of his plan for humanity. So because so that's, that verse I just read is Hebrews 11, chap, uh, verse 1. And then for the rest of the chapter, 
the author chronicles all these stories of the Old Testament, all these people who did these amazing things because they had faith in God. They had, they had hope of what they haven't seen. And then he ends uh, Hebrews 11 with this really interesting two verses. It says, and all these, all the people that he's just chronicled that had faith in God, all these, though commend, uh, commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. And so what are we saying? Apart from us. He's, saying, he's not saying that we're gonna be the ones that make them perfect. He's saying together as the covenant people of God, we will together be made perfect. And, and what he's talking about here, I wish we had time to go, to go through all of Hebrews, but Hebrews is about how Jesus Christ is the fullness of the revelation of God. And so in the Old Testament, everyone who put their hope in God, everyone who put their faith in God, like David, what they're really putting their hope in is the person of Jesus. Because Jesus would come as the fullest and clearest picture of who God is. And if we now put our faith in him, then then we can have the same things that is destined for David and all of those people. Because we will have the salvation and the eternal joy and presence of God that we all have been longing for. That, that's, that's what redemption looks like. So the, the people that in Hebrews 11 that they chronicle, there's a lot of really crappy things that happen to them. Okay, it says that some guys were sawn in two, some of them were stoned. There's all kinds of terrible things that happened to them. But they said they had hope of what God was doing in their lives would one day be redeemed. And that's what hope does for us as Christians. It says, if you have a bad year last year, God can redeem that. And he will use that pain to be a part of this mosaic that he's painting. Okay, not because it's all going to work out in the end, but because Jesus is the sovereign author of history who will make it all work out in the end. And because of that, then the only thing that's left for us to do is to have faith and to rest in God's promises. So this is going a little longer than I wanted to already, so we'll wrap this up quick. Isaiah chapter 30, verses 15 and 16. The, the people of Israel are, uh, the, the bad guys are coming for them. They're about to take over Israel, and they're doing anything they can to try to remain independent. And so they want to go to Egypt and get help from Egypt. And then God speaks through the prophet Isaiah and says, if you go to Egypt, that shows that you're not trusting me to protect you. Instead, it shows that you're running to something else to find fulfillment. And, and this is what God tells them in verse 15. It says, For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. But you were unwilling, and you said, No, we will flee upon horses, meaning they'll, they'll, go, they'll ride down to Egypt. It says, Therefore you shall flee away, and we will ride upon swift steeds. Therefore your pursuers shall be swift. So because the people of Israel didn't trust God, they decided to get on horses and run away as fast as they could. And God's saying because they chose to run from their trust in God, that their pursuers would catch them. That they could run as fast as they could, but their pursuers would always be faster and they would overtake them as they tried to run away. But the alternative that the Israelites could have done is it says that in returning and rest shall be your strength. In quietness and trust you shall be saved. And so when we have these bad years, when we're waiting for redemption, when we're wondering, what is God doing in my life? The choices we have is we can either run from God and try to take care of things on our own. We can try to cope in whatever way we find most comfortable. Or we can rest in God. We can, we can wait there. We can trust God. We can know that he is working even in the dark moments of our lives. 
Okay, and, and so this, this concept of are we going to run from God or are we going to trust God, running from God can look a lot of different ways. Okay, sometimes it means I'm rejecting my faith, I'm never going to church again, I, I don't believe in God anymore at all. That, that's like the extreme running from God. But sometimes running from God can be a lot more subtle, right? Running from God can mean I'm going to look for comfort in a romantic comedy and a gallon of ice cream or something like that, right? Or am I the only one that looks for comfort in ice cream and romantic comedies? You know, the, um, but when we try to do those things, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. Yeah, so the, While You Were Sleeping came to mind. It's a great Christmas movie. And hopefully everyone saw that. The best Christmas movie, though, is Die Hard. So I don't want you to, if I say I like chick flicks, I also want you to know that Die Hard is my favorite movie as well. So. Um, but, but those things seem innocent enough. It says, I had a crappy day. I'm going to go grab a beer out of the fridge, and I'm going to go veg in front of the TV. And, and we do those things thinking it's just I, just, I just need to be relaxed a little bit. But if you're going to that thing looking for comfort instead of going to Jesus and finding his love, then that means you're doing the same thing the Israelites here are. You're, you're running to Egypt. And if you run to Egypt, your pursuers will catch you. Where if you rest in God, if you trust God, then you know that that, that is the only place you can find salvation. That's the only place you can find hope. It's the only place you can find peace. And, and here's why I know this is true. This is the, the point of, of all of this. The reason we can endure pain and still trust in God is because it says he's the one that's catching our tears in a bottle. He's the one there when we're suffering. And the reason we know that's true is because he's the only God who himself entered into suffering voluntarily. God doesn't just catch our tears in a bottle. He himself cried those same tears when he was on earth experiencing the same kind of pain and suffering that we experience in life. Only his suffering was worse because it was undeserved. And so that's the hope that we have as we reflect on our years. We can say, if Jesus came and he suffered and he conquered death and sin, then I have hope for the future that one day the pain I'm experiencing will be redeemed. Some way the, the, the bad stuff that happened in 2016 will somehow work together for my good because of what Jesus did. And, and if that's true, then we can reflect on our life and we can see that God is working even in the dark moments of life. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the way that you have shown your love to us all this year. I thank you for the way that your word uh, speaks that so clearly. I thank you that we have this promise that, that when we cry, you are there to catch the tears. I pray that as, as we uh, kind of reflect on our year and, and maybe go to some, some memories of some bad things that have happened, I pray that we would continually run to you, that we would find our rest and our trust in you. We wouldn't try to run to anything else to find comfort because you alone are the one that can save us. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we're going to spend the next uh, few minutes at our tables uh, discussing some things. We have some questions. Like I said, we're going to be reflecting. Uh, unfortunately, I did more time talking than we have done reflecting. So, uh, but we're going to turn inward now, and we have two questions to kind of get us our discussion going. Uh, where did you see God work this past year? What were some things that you could say, look back and say, yes, God was in that moment? Uh, the second question is, where are you still waiting for redemption? What are some things where you say, you know, this pain happened, this bad thing happened, and I'm still waiting to see how God's going to redeem that? Uh, and then if we have time, if one person at your table, uh, some brave soul could volunteer to just pray for the people at your table, 
because um, we are wanting to be a community that loves each other, that encourages each other, and that we pray for each other even in our, our dark and our difficult moments. So we'll do that for a few minutes, and then we'll wrap it up with communion and a few more songs. Well, our little table was super encouraging and, and good to hear how God has been working in people's lives. I hope your discussions were fruitful like that as well. And just, if, if nothing else, spending that few moments there praying for each other, like that tonight is worth it right there. I mean, I hope you go home and have a great time partying and doing whatever you do to ring in the new year. Uh, but this will have been the most important thing you could do to wrap up 2016 is, is spending time with uh, your church family who loves you and who is there with you through those hard times so that in 2017, when you have some good times also that we can celebrate with you, we can, we can celebrate the, the, the birth of a child and we, and we can grieve the, the, the loss of a miscarriage. And, and all of that is a, the, part of the full tapestry of what it means to, to be a, a gospel-centered church that is loving each other well. So, um, but, but through that all, and especially the, the hardship stuff, we can be thankful that God is working still. I, I, I love whenever uh, Aaron, have you ever asked Aaron to pray in a group setting? He, I'm not going to blow his cover here, but he, he always begins by saying, Lord, we're thankful. And then he praises God for what he's thankful for. And that is such a beautiful model of how we should be praying is, is knowing that even in the bad things in our life, we can be grateful because God has promised that that redemption will one day come. You know, if, if we've been wounded by our earthly father, we can be thankful that we have a heavenly father who loves us and will be there for us. You know, if, if we have had a, a terrible year, we can be thankful that redemption is coming because of what we're about to celebrate right now. I mean, the reason we're ending this year, ending this service with communion is because it is this amazing memorial and uh, testimony to what God did for us on the cross. Because Jesus chose to suffer and die for our sake, that's the reason we can have hope of redemption. Because when the world tells you you had a bad year, just go, just do some, what do they call it, shopping therapy or whatever, where you go and buy a bunch of stuff on credit to make yourself feel better, like that won't save you. But when you have a bad year and you run to Jesus, Jesus is the only one who can actually save you. And that's why this verse is so important. It says, in returning and rest, you shall be saved and quietness and in trust shall be your strength. And so the reason we do communion every week is because it's this tangible reminder for us that we need to return to God. We need to rest in Jesus. And when we do those things, when we repent, when we turn back to God, we have this promise that we will experience his salvation in our lives. And, and that's the good news that's worth wrapping up 2016 with as a church family. So uh, if you want to stand with me now, we're going to uh, sing a few songs to wrap up. We're a little over time, so hopefully you didn't schedule anything for 6.05 on New Year's evening. Uh, but we, uh, we serve open communion here, which means that if uh, you believe that Jesus is your Savior, if you believe that Jesus is your only hope, then we welcome you to come to the table and partake sometime during these next few songs. Uh, parents, if you have your kids with us, uh, we leave that up to you. Uh, if you want to, uh, if you think that their faith is at the point where you want to encourage them to take communion, we uh, want you to have the freedom to do that. Uh, if you want them to wait until they have a better understanding, we trust your decision there as well. So let me pray and then we will sing a, a few more songs together and come up and take of the elements as you feel led. Heavenly Father, we, we know that your word is true and that when we return to you, when we rest in you, we will be saved. 
God, we have been saved and we are being saved and we will be saved because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And as we come forward now and as we remember and reflect on our year, uh, let us do that reflection in light of the fact that your body was broken for us, that your blood was shed for us. And because of that, we can have hope that our year will be redeemed through the power of your son. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.